Harbor Church. But today it's my honor to be kicking off our new series called Find Joy. If you are a note taker today, uh, the title of the message is Choose Joy. Choose joy. In fact, we're going to be unpacking for the next couple weeks the book of Philippians. And this is an incredible book with a theme throughout the entire, all of the, all of the chapters of joy. In fact, the ironic thing about this is that the author, the Apostle Paul, is actually, pre- he is talking and encouraging other people from prison. I don't know about you. But I probably, it it might be a struggle to write encouraging letters when you are locked up. I mean, maybe you guys are holier than me, but that is, that is challenging. Uh, It challenges us all. In fact, maybe you started 2023 and here we've crossed the halfway mark and you haven't checked everything off the list and it's starting to steal your joy. And where are all my list, my list people with your little check marks and you're like, man, how did half a year get here already? And you've let that you've even allowed that to get into your spirit a little bit and you're starting to lose some momentum and some joy. Or maybe, I know I've got some of you, and I know who you are. I know who the check, the, the check, check people are, the list people are. And maybe you're maybe a little bit more exhausted than you planned this summer. Any parents in the house? You're like, oh, we're going to get some rest. And you're like, I am exhausted. <laughs> right? Right? Or maybe even that you've experienced some unexpected curveballs already. Maybe you've had some financial blows. Maybe you've had some relational issues in your relationships, and it's kind of you've allowed it to steal your joy. In fact, culturally, joy is defined as an emotion of happiness or delight. In fact, we all need these delights. We all need the little joys in our life, like getting gelato on a hot summer night with some friends. Come on, you got to do that. We are human beings, and our soul needs these moments of joy. Or maybe your team, your favorite team just won and you had some great wings and a great time with your friends. You need that. Our soul needs these moments of joy. Maybe it's a great vacation. Anybody going on a great vacation until you return and two hours later you're like, I need another one. Because I just had to work twice as hard to get back to normal. Can I get an amen? We've all been there. We've all been there. In fact, the challenge is there's this cultural narrative that makes us believe that somehow joy is out there. It's when I get to do that. Or it's when I get that bigger house. It's when I get that new car. It's when the kids are grown and don't need me as much. It's when I have more money in the bank, right? Then then I'll be more joyful, It's when the workload actually lightens up. Then I'll be more joyful. Does that ever happen in the DMV for adults? We don't get 10 weeks of summer vacation, right? Like, does it really ever? And we believe this. Oh, man, if I could just get through this week, I'll have joy then. It's just just me. It's just me. Or when I find, here's here's a real good one. When I find that Mr. Right or Mrs. Right and I find the right one, it'll complete me. I'll have joy then, right? And all the married people said, "Uh uh-uh. No, no, that's not when joy comes. I love you, babe. I know you're watching. This type of joy that Paul's talking about, it's different. It's deeper. It's not out there. It's not when this, when that, I'll have joy. It's a joy that comes from the inside out. And it's anchored in a man named Jesus, the Savior of our soul. That is, he is the anchor for our soul. That is why the Apostle Paul can write joyfully encouraging other people from a prison cell 
from a prison cell. If we're going to discover the secrets of living true joy, we're going to experience in true joy, we're going to have to choose it. And we're going to unpack God's word today to figure out how, I need some strategies for choosing joy. Because life's trials will come. And if you haven't had any, keep on living. They're coming. I know. I'm glad you came to church today. But they're coming. They're coming. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We honor you. This time is yours. God, we set aside all the distractions of the day. God, we set aside all the the things we think that will make us joyful. God, and we want true joy. We want to tap into the real source today, and that's you. And so, Father, we invite you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would move throughout this room, move through the sound waves into living rooms today. God, would you speak to us? Every time we open your word, we can come expectant because we know that your word reads us, that it divides even bone and marrow. It gets to the places that we can't even articulate with the words of our mouths, but you know. And so, Father, I pray today we would all go out with joy. God, that maybe we came in weary, but we will go out rejoicing today because we know that there is hope in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Read with me. It's on the screens or in your Bibles, Philippians 1, 1 through 6, and then we're going to hop around a little bit. Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and the deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from this first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Let's skip down to verse 12. He says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. This letter was written by Paul, who was actually the founder of the Church of Philippi. In fact, it was the first European church plant in Acts chapter 16. And so he is now, he's gone on, he's planted other churches, he's moving on with the work. He finds himself locked up in prison and the church of Philippi sends him a gift. Hello, that tells me he's in community. Somebody cares about him. Somebody knows that he's locked up. And they send him a gift. And in response, not only is he joyful thinking about them, but he writes this letter of encouragement back to them. Now, Like I said, I don't know about you, but if I'm locked up in prison, it probably sounds a little bit more like, Lord, what have I done? I am here in these chains, and I have done nothing. Lord, what did I do to deserve this? Where is everybody? Why are they not bringing me my fruit baskets? Right? I mean, this this is not Paul's response, which tells us he's got a different anchor than sometimes the shallow anchor that we put in the things that bring us joy. In fact, the first decision that we have to make if we're going to choose joy is to live on purpose. For all my note takers, that is point number one, to live on purpose. 
You see, the Apostle Paul, he wrote 28% of the New Testament. He's seen miracles. In fact, he encountered Jesus and scales fell off of his eyes. He has seen it up close and personal. And on the mountaintop, he's had joy. And now we see him in the valley and he still has joy, which tells me he knew something. He had an anchor for his soul. In fact, that anchor, we know that it's only in God's presence is the fullness of joy. The word of God tells us it's not in all these momentary joyful moments, and we need them. We are human. God was fully human, fully man, so he can identify with the fact, yeah, I need some ice cream on a hot day. Sometimes at the end of the day, I just need some gelato, right? Like He knows there are momentary pleasures. There are momentary joys that we all need, but he's saying, I need you to, I need you to anchor a little deeper than that. In fact, John 15, four and five, Jesus instructs us. This is what he says. This is the secret. If I had to give you this whole message in a a couple sentences, here it is. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, then you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I don't know. I think I can do some things. No. He says you can do nothing on your best day when you are bringing your A game. You need him. We need him. I need him. John 15, 11. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and your joy may be what? Halfway empty? No. Full, full, that your joy may be full. As followers of Christ, it is this anchor, it's this relationship that can bring us joy. He's not some God that is distant and out there. He is a breath away. He's a breath away. Sometimes you got to be like, help Jesus. (laughs) Give me perspective in this situation. God, I'm tired. I know, but I'll help you take another step. It's the breast. It's the breast. That's where the anchor is, that we would have this relationship. And then after we understand that, we have to accept that we live on a mandate from heaven as ambassadors of Christ. This is the purpose of our lives. It's not just for happiness. We just talked about that. That's fleeting. But it's for something much greater. We're ambassadors. In fact, 2 Corinthians 5, 19, 21 says this. He commissions us. This is our purpose in life, regardless of what we find our hands to do. Here it is, church. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. Aren't you glad? And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Did you know that you have a purpose? Your purpose in Christ is not only to live with him, but you are an ambassador making an appeal, regardless of whether you are a doctor, a lawyer, a judge in the courtroom, whether you are teaching kids, you are an ambassador. Isn't that a weighty thought? This is the purpose of our lives, and it pulls us forward. God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. We are his ambassadors, church, to the world around us. I don't know about you, but the world is grappling at all kind of stuff to try to find happiness and joy. 
It's, it's going to great lengths to find joy. And we know that it's made in Christ alone and we are his masterpiece on display to the world around us. But it can get a little twisted and jaded if we think it's about us because it's actually our lives on display for the Lord in everything that we do. In fact, 2 Corinthians, I know it's, it's scripture heavy, but I want you to know this is God's word and he has given us. It's, it's sometimes it's, it's in plain sight, but we can't always see it because we're not looking for it. 2 Corinthians 3, 2, 3, you are our letter written in our hearts and read by all men, being manifest that you are the letter of Christ, cared for by us, written not with ink, but the spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. God has written this on our hearts to be on display. In fact, so what is, what is practically being an ambassador look like? I want to paint this for you. It looks like showing up to work on time. I know it got real practical real quick, but I need the spiritual stuff. This is the spiritual stuff. It's working with excellence, working with integrity, not for my glory and my name, but for God. Conviction and humility, when everyone else's standard of truth is waning, you're standing on God's word and not in a harsh manner where you are preaching with a bullhorn on the corner. God bless you if that's your style. Man, it's being the kindness and the love of Christ to the people around you. When everybody else is upset, you're saying, man, my feet are anchored. I'm anchored. I'm not worried. I'm not concerned because my hope and my anchor is in Jesus. My true joy comes from him. Mom and dad, it looks like coming home every day when you'd rather go on a vacation by yourself. And it's, I, I'm, that's never happened to me. Um, <laughs> but serving your family. It's connecting daily with those who look up to you. It's teaching and disciplining our children when we're exhausted with patience and kindness and goodness and self-control. And when you get it wrong, you say you're sorry. It looks like serving your spouse, your roommate, your housemate, your friends with the same love that you would like them to show to you, even if they're not. Colossians 3.23, you ready for it? Whatever, say whatever. Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. And I might add, this is my commentary for the audience of one. When no one gives you accolades, the God of heaven and earth sees you and his favor is upon you and he will move you forward. He will move you forward. In fact, just this week, I had that reality. I was like, whoa, we're only like four weeks into summer. Whew, okay, we're at the halfway mark. Parents, are you with me? You begin to lose your joy and your momentum, right? You had like this, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tackle this, and I, it's going to be awesome, and I'm going to teach so many amazing values and character this summer. I have the time, and you're like, oh, I just need a minute. I'm going to lock myself in the bathroom, Right? Schedules are all over the map. Nothing's predictable. Everyone's on vacation, so we're, we're covering for everybody. Maybe that's happening in your office, right? And you realize, whoa, where'd my joy go? Man, I started out good intentions, but my joy, my joy, where is it? Where is it? And I was faced with my own reality, and maybe some of you can identify with me. 
You can't be an ambassador of Christ in your own strength. Now, maybe I'm the only one who thinks I can handle a lot. I hope not. Hope I'm, I, hope, I hope we got some honest people in Catalyst Church this morning. But we cannot do this without the power of the Holy Spirit and God's help. And right about the time I began to be like, man, God, my joy, my joy is gone. It's like a dashboard indicator. Your oil light is on. You need some oil of the Holy Spirit and his presence in your life if you're going to keep going so you don't burn. Right? You're going to blow up the engine of your life. If you keep trying to work in your own strength, I have my own reminder. We have my own. That is why we have to get oil changes all the time. It drives me crazy. I'm like, don't you have something that can I like pay 12 months that'll last for 12 months? No, you got to go take that thing in every three to 5,000 miles and get the oil changed. We got to get the oil changed. We got to go tap into the oil of the Holy Spirit and ask for help. God, I need your help. I want to experience your joy when you feel the drudge. In fact, John 16, 24 says, until now you have asked nothing in my name. Yikes. When's the last time you asked him for help? Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full, not halfway empty, full, full. This is the true secret to our joy, church. In fact, Romans 14, 17, oftentimes we're reaching out there to get our joy. Man, if I could just have another vacation. Man, if I could just have a couple hours, more hours to myself. And by the way, you do need that. Please do that. Please go on vacation. Please take time for yourself. All those things are very natural. But at the end of the day, you get back and you're like, man, I need another one. It's like, it's like I need another one. I need another one. I need, yeah, of course. But you can't live like that. We've got to find an anchor for our soul. Romans 14, 17, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, right standing with God. Peace and joy in what? The Holy Spirit, it's within. I heard someone once say, if you don't learn to go within, you will go without. Not in myself, but I got to find my secret place in God to tap into the power that is supernatural. It is not in our own strength. Maybe I'm just a stubborn one. I probably am. But sometimes I got to get to the end of myself before I realize again I'm not going to be able to do this one by myself. It's in the everyday moments and responsibilities of life that we can call on him, and he will give you that oil change that you need to go the next three to 5,000 miles. Come on. This looks like waking up as a parent every day and realizing I'm an ambassador of Christ. I have 18 short years. They don't feel short sometimes. But I got 18 years to introduce them to Jesus. I have 18 years to water the seeds. I'm on mission. I'm on mission. I, I, I'm a partner in the gospel of Jesus Christ like Paul talks about. It looks like faithfully coming home to your spouse and treating them better than they deserve. Why? Because my marriage is on display for the kingdom of God. Not, not, not for my strength or look how good. No, no. It's a representation of Christ in the church. We got to get this one right. We got to get this one right. It, it looks like I'm going to partner with the gospel in this way. This looks like showing up on Monday morning and going to work and doing your absolute best, giving the best of your gifts and your talents and your treasures, knowing that your reward will not be found in that. It's for the audience of one. And that is where you get your strength. That is where you get your reward. There is no better joy 
than to hear the voice of your heavenly Father say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. There is no accolade. There is no bonus, although we love those, right? There is no reward greater than to hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant. You have done what I have asked you to do. You did not do it perfectly. I did not ask you to. I asked you to keep getting back up and asking for more oil. That's what I asked you to do. I asked you to keep putting one foot in front of the other. Because my, in your weakness, my strength is perfected. That's how it's wired. So if you keep on going on in your strength thinking that you got this, you're not going to get it. And I mean get it. The joy comes from a deeper place. From a deeper place. In fact, you have an opportunity. Join the dream team today. Put it, put it into action. Put, it, put that love, man. I'm anchored. I know who I am. I can't give everything, but I can give something. And I can be a part of partnering in the gospel of Jesus Christ in my local church. I can hold a door for a few moments and be the encouragement like Paul was in a prison. I can join the greeter team and I can say, man, so good to see you. And I can mean it. Why? Not because my life is perfect, not because I'm not busy, but because I know that I am a partner in the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the purpose of my life. No, not that we know that you are doing that in every aspect of your life, but as a local church, we get to be the expression of Christ to the world. We're ambassadors on display. Come on, I'm fired up, church. Have you lost your sense of purpose? Maybe it's because it's anchored in the wrong thing. Maybe it's time for a perspective shift. Maybe it's time for an adjustment on your lenses. Come on, as I get older, I, every time I go to the, the optometrist, I used to be like, yeah, same old, same old. Now I'm like, oh, Lord, that thing's changing. I can't see like I used to see. As we live some life and you get some traumas along the way and you get some life weight on your life, you got to adjust your lenses. we got to keep adjusting our lenses, church. In what areas is God calling you to be a greater ambassador? Some of you, I feel strongly about this. God's getting ready to promote you. In fact, I just talked to someone in the lobby, and I, we prayed together a couple weeks ago, and you blessed my heart because I said, man, look at God. You thought it was the end, and God was turning it around for your good, and she got promoted, and she got a raise, and she now knows it's not because I got there. It's because God Almighty has an assignment for me here. It changes everything. It changes everything. This next promotion, this next opportunity, this next door is not about you. And if you get that, man, God can entrust you with so much more. So much more. That is not in my notes. Somebody needs to write that down today. So that on Monday morning when you get called in the office or you get the unexpected raise or you get the unexpected contract, entrepreneurs, you know it is for his glory, not mine. Leads us to the second point, remain in spiritual community. It seems simple, but when life gets full, we begin to drift. And we might be present, but we're not present. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I'm good. We give the, we give the church, and yeah, I'm good. No, you're not. You haven't taken your mask off in four months. You can't breathe. It's time. Remain in spiritual community. Philippians 1, 7 and 8. It is is. It is right for me to feel this way about you. We're back to the letter, Paul's writing. Since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. 
God can testify how I long for you with the affection of Jesus Christ. We skip down to verse 27. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. There it is again. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, life gets busy, I will know that you stand in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. Listen, it is more important now than ever that you have a spiritual community because the cultural tide has always been opposite of the kingdom of God. And the current is picking up. And so it is really important. You know, have you ever been? I grew up in, in Florida at the Itchituckney River, if anybody's familiar with that. It's a freezing cold water, and you don't want to fall in because there's like snakes and gators on the side. So you learn to stay on your raft. And if you're really smart, yeah, I know. I, like, I When I think about that as an adult, I'm like, I don't know if this was wise. You know? I don't know, Mom. I love you. Um, but... If you're really smart, you'll tie your tubes up. Like, you'll, you'll basically link them with a rope. Why? Because when that current picks up right at about the end where they're like, exit now, exit now, like now, or you're about to go into the river, the more weight you have, you can swing over a little easier. But if you're out by yourself, that tide takes you out and you are a goner. Good luck. It's time to tie, tie that rope you got to get some, some people in your life that know your business, that you can take your mask off, and they don't judge you. They say, yep, I know. And nine, nine times out of ten, they're going to say, me too. Me too. Let's pray. Let's ask God. Let's get some fresh oil. Let's get an old change together. Come on. Let's go. Let's go. There's going to be times, if you haven't experienced it, that you are going to need some encouragement. You are going to need people in your life to send you a text at just the right time that only the Holy Spirit could direct who encourages you to keep going. I had three this morning. You know who you are? You don't know what it meant to me, but it meant the world to me. Why? Because you were obedient to be a partner in the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we experience the beauty of the community together. That's what it looks like. Not only did I get blessed, you got blessed. That's how we're, that's how we're wired. That's how it's supposed to work. Proverbs 15, To make an apt answer is a joy to a man, and a word in season, how good it is. Have you ever received that word? right on time, and you were like, man, that gave me, that just gave me a little, a little, you know, that was like, you don't fill up your gas tank all the way, you just get enough to get to where you're going. That's, that's what those are like. Life's going to get hard. In fact, Ecclesiastes 4.9 says, wise, the wise will do this. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help him up. Come on, tie, tie your inner tube. The current's getting stronger. You got to have somebody in your life who can encourage you along the way, and you've got to be that person to someone else. If rivers don't flow both ways, it's called a pond. Nobody wants to swim in that. I grew up swimming in ponds, they are nasty. Let's swim in the river together, the river of God's goodness. Next time someone comes to your mind, I want you to take action. Don't say, oh, I'll get to them later. That's nice. God, what do you want me to do? This person keeps coming to my mind. Is there something you want to say to them? Is there a scripture you want me to send? Is there a word of encouragement that you want me to give? Those are the Holy Spirit moments of reminding you that you live in a community of faith. 
That's what they're for. Don't let them pass you by. Paul's talking about that. He keeps saying, I remember you. I remember when. You're on my heart. You bring me joy. That's what it's for. When you know someone, you know you know someone's going in a hard time. Take a five minutes. Just give them a text. Hey, how you doing? Hey, you want to talk? You got 15 minutes? Put a time stamp. You're busy people? I know. I am too. Hey, you got 15 minutes? Let's talk. I can't talk right this minute, but you know what? Hey, what about Friday? Let's take the time to do that. In fact, Paul did that over and over and over. He had a lot of goodbyes in his journey. People were always, he was churning, man. He, he was on mission. He was planting churches. He was getting locked up like three times. I mean, this man was on the go. And yet, this is what he says, Romans 15, 32, so that by God's will, I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. Even Paul needed to be refreshed. I think we do too. Second John, first, uh, first, Second John 1, 12. Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. And I know all of us, we'd add Zoom today. But sometimes we do thank, thank the Lord for Zoom because it, it is efficient. But sometimes you need the face-to-face. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face-to-face so that your joy may be complete. What did he know? We need each other. We need the face-to-face. We were designed that way. That's why, honestly, prioritizing the house of God is important. You know, there are times and seasons and travel and work that, yeah, man, we're so grateful that COVID pushed all of us onto the online world. I love it. But, man, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves because there's something powerful in that face-to-face where someone, you, you say, hey, how are you? And they say, oh, I'm good. And you look in their eyes and you're like, you're not good. You're not good. God God has something for you. I'm really glad you're here. I'm really glad you're here. You can only do that in community. What's he saying? It's just it's not enough just to live on purpose. We got I want to live on purpose with you. We got to live on purpose together. In fact, when Jeremy and I stepped out to plant Catalyst Church, one of my greatest fears, and I think I've shared this before, was doing it alone. Now, I used to be an extreme extrovert. Now I call myself a moderate. Because that is what happens when you have other extroverts, many of them, in your house. And then you add an extroverted dog. If dogs had personality, this guy is 100% extroverted. He does not meet a stranger. And if I am tired or I don't have time, he wants to meet every single person on the street. So I've become a moderate extrovert. I am married to an introvert. He's an introverted extrovert. Go Google that. So I was really terrified when, when we felt led to step out because I'm like, wait a minute, I'm stepping out. And at the time, we had two, so we didn't have the third, but she was cooking. So I'm like, you want me to step out with an introverted extrovert who, who recoups by himself, and I need to verbally process, and you want us to do what? I was concerned. I was concerned. And I knew that if I was going to do what God was calling me to do, I needed to go get an oil change. I needed to hear the voice of God because I knew that in the fullness, in the presence of God, the fullness of joy was there. And so I knew I needed to hear a word from God if I was going to have the courage to do what he was asking me to do. And he gave me this verse, Isaiah 55, 12. I think I've brought the pillow before, so I didn't bring it again. But it was so significant to me that I painted it on a pillow. You will go out in joy. And you will be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you. 
And all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Interpretation, you aren't going alone. You're not going alone. In fact, there's a community waiting for you on the other side of the Potomac River. Go. That's what he was saying to me. And in that time, the ironic part was God will also often give you a word in the complete opposite situation and circumstance in which you are in. Why does he do that? I, I, I don't like it. But that is what he does. Because he's like, without faith, it's impossible to please him. So it won't take faith if he gives you a word to confirm your situation and circumstance already. So it's going to take some faith and you're going to have to take some steps. That reality would have never happened had we not taken practical steps and worked. Worked it. We had to work it in faith that what God said was going to come to pass. That season was very difficult. We were changing jobs. We had, uh, you know, I, I was pregnant and, and all the women who have been pregnant uh, or will ever be pregnant just know it's like an alien taking over your body. And so there's, you're like, wow, why am I reacting that way? Why do I have all these feelings? Why am I exhausted? Because there's a lot going on inside of you. And so I was walking in that season. I was walking through grief and loss of my former community. There was a lot of different things happening. So I needed to hold this pillow many, 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 many times. And the same is true for you. God has spoken some things to you in this season. You are going to need to hear from him. And then you're going to need to do it in community. Don't hold it to yourself. You've got to have two or three people around you that are going to be, be willing to tie that inner tube together and say, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to go with you. If you're, some of you today, if you're honest, you're lonely. You're surrounded, but you're lonely. It's called crowded loneliness. We are like the number one city in the nation for that. And so today, I'm challenging you boldly, step out and meet someone. In fact, we've, our ministry leaders and, and, and directors are going to be out at these bistros. They would be more than happy. This is the joy of our life to get to partner with you in the work of the gospel. We would love to talk to you and get you connected into communities, smaller communities, so that this is, what, this is why we do community groups that we're getting ready to launch again in the fall. This is why we do this, so that we make it easier for you to know someone and for someone to know you. I want you to go to work on Monday, and I want you to be attuned. God, are there people you're, you want me to encourage today? And they're probably going to come in the way of interruptions. Just prepare for that. It probably won't be in your schedule. So just make some room. Make some room. Make some margin to take those moments. That could actually be the missing key to you unlocking true joy. Is, hey, I know I'm living on purpose. I'm just doing it alone. That's not right. I need to do it in community, and somebody needs to know my name, and I need to be encouraging someone else. And that might just give you the oil that you need when you've connected with God and you connect with others. And lastly, if we're going to experience true joy, we're going to have to choose to become more Christ-like. At the end of the day, this is the goal. Philippians 1, 9, and 11. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in the knowledge and the depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and that you may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. In fact, our current cultural narrative says, no, you know, we, we need to, me, myself, and I, and this kind of crazy self-care craze, right? I'm all about self-care, but, like, we've taken it to, like, another level. Um, Self-focus, accomplishing your own will and your own ambitions, that will not lead to joy. It will not. Because it's not God's 
formula. It's not his plan. It's not his strategic plan for having us experience true joy. Philippians 1.21 gives us that roadmap. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. What does this mean? It means we have to die to our selfishness and our and, and the ambitions that are apart from him. Not that God sanctifies the ambitions. There were things in my past that I thought, man, God, this is what you call me to do. I'm going to run and go do it, right? And then he sanctifies it in the process. And some things stay and some things die. Why? Because ultimately, we, he knows what's best for us, and we have to trust that he is the, he is the divine gardener who's going to clip what needs to go out. He's going to trim the vine. He's going to trim what doesn't need to be there. And then he, the things that feel like they're dead, do you know that in order to have the next season of flowers, you have to trim the dead stuff off? And it comes back, and it comes back in full bloom, and it's beautiful, if we will submit to God's process of being Christ-like. 1 John 4.12, he says, No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another well, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. John 13.34.35, how do I grow in more love? A new commandment I give to you, love one another as I have loved you. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. What, by my, by my production, my, by productivity? No, by your love. By how much, how excellent you are and that you're an A-plus student? No, by your love. All those things are wonderful, and we should strive for those things. But it's by our love. That is how people know that we are the true disciples. Love looks like practically choosing patience and kindness when you want to say something rude in anger to defend yourself. That's what it looks like. It, it looks like choosing humility rather than always having to be right in that relationship. And you wonder why there's so much turmoil. It's choosing to overlook an offense and assume the best rather than the worst. Putting yourself in someone else's shoes. It's choosing to take a posture of service rather than walking into the room and thinking everyone exists to serve you. At work, try it in the boardroom. It's not popular. Don't worry. There'll be no competition. You'll crush that one. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. And ironically, when we realize, man, I'm beginning to lose my joy, there's typically like a leak in the love tank. It's basically like I forgot to fill up my gas tank. And that literally did happen to me twice in my adult life, at least twice. And one happened to be with my children. I think it was traumatic. I'm probably going to probably have to have counseling for it. Because I was so distracted that I decided to take a road trip and didn't check the gas. Because there was so many other things going on. And I had my checklist, but gas wasn't on it. And so... These things can happen when we're distracted. We are living at such a pace and so much output that we don't realize our love tank is low. 
And we, before we know it, what gets our attention is typically because we're in community, someone reminding us, man, you've been irritable and rude lately. What's going on? You've been a little short, right? You seem a little overextended. And hopefully as we become more Christ-like, we can self-identify. We don't need someone to tell us that. We're like, okay, it's time for a timeout. I need to pull over and gas up or I'm not going to make it, right? Because this is where I personally, here's my litmus test, and this is probably way transparent, but here we go. I know because I know when my love tank is low, and maybe some of you identify with this, my patience becomes pushy. Yikes. My kindness becomes resentful. I begin to feel angry inside, and my body language communicates that. I can become inflexible and irritable when I'm overextended. And those are my signs that it's time for a timeout. And again, we go back to joy. Some of those temporary joys are necessary. In fact, if you missed the whole emotional health series that we did, go back and, and, and do it because a lot of those things, those practices, will help us not get to that place. And we have to refuel. We are not. The only perfect one is Jesus, and we're fully human. So we have to fill the emotional tank, do those things, but also you can't just do those things or you'll be empty again. We have to come to the Father and say, God, God, would you restore to me the joy of my salvation? God, would you give me, would you give me the strength and the anchor for my soul that I need? In fact, true joy is a fruit of the Spirit. And here's when we know, am I tethered to the vine? Am I tethered in where I need to be? Am I seeing kind of these, the, the, my love tank is low, the signals are on, the gaslight's flashing at me, I see it. Okay, now what do I do? I take a time out. Man, God, search me and know my heart. Because the fruit of my life, I want it to be good. I want it to be sweet. I want it to attract people to you. Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, patience, Peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control, self-control. In fact, we have this fruit basket that sits on our, on our table in our kitchen. And, you know, the fruit doesn't move quite as fast as the processed food in the pantry. Hello. And so if that fruit doesn't get moved, you may have like a few good pieces on the top, but the bottom begins to rot. And before you know it, You've got fruit flies, and don't Google them because they are nasty little things. You don't even want to know. I'm trying to get it out of my brain for studying for this message. They, they multiply quick. And so it's really important that you get that fruit out quick. And it's interesting to me that the Bible uses this idea of fruit of the Spirit because anybody knows produce doesn't last long. And I think sometimes we go into our spiritual life thinking like, well, I had patience once. I'm good. Nope. Nope, every couple of days you're going to have to go get some more patience. I, I, have, I have love. I had love, you know, like 13 years ago when I said I do. No, you, you better go get some more every couple of days. You better go, go tap into the source again. Self-control. Well, you know, I had self-control in that situation two years ago. You, you need it now. So you got to go get some fresh fruit. Where do we go buy fresh fruit? In the presence of Almighty God. That is where we get it. It doesn't come from any other place. In the presence of God is the fullness of joy. What does that look like? Do I need to have like a worship service in my bathroom floor? Maybe. Maybe. 
but it's also just talking to them. It's coming out of that boardroom meeting where it didn't go your way and you had some people who were angry. Um, and in, in the words of my children in their favorite movie on the planet, you know, he was an angry elf, right? In those moments, in those moments, you maybe need to go to the bathroom and take a moment, take some deep breaths, go walk around the block and ask God, Holy Spirit, I pray not only for that person, but would you give me, would you help me? Would you give me more patience and kindness and meekness and self-control? you got to tap and get some new fruit daily, weekly. Psalms 139, 23, 24, and the band can come. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me into the way everlasting. Church, I am confident that Catalyst Church, we want to be the people anchored in joy. True joy, abounding in fruit in every season, whether we are on the mountaintops or we are in the valleys, it will be said of us, man, what beautiful ambassadors for Christ. Being deployed into the nation's capital, man, what a privilege, what an honor it is. What an honor. How is your love doing? How's your love tank? Are you seeing some of the signs that maybe you need to go refill? Are there areas of rotting fruit? Don't look at your neighbor right about now. Do not give your spouse an elbow, okay? They are typically going to see it first. Your friends are going to see it first. And because you're in community with them, they are going to figure out the best way to lovingly ask you, how are you doing? I've noticed that you've been a little short lately. That's how iron sharpens iron. And we become the beautiful bride of Christ in a more tangible way. But if we're going to do it, we got to choose joy. Remember, we got to live on purpose in the tough places, on the mountaintops and in the valleys. we got to remain in community. And we have to remember, my goal is to become Christ-like. That's my goal. That's my goal.